You have your Bible? Last month we talked about community and, um, and that's why we are all into this um, making space in our community, including this exhibition to meet with the world. And let's, let's really be more engaging uh, with our community to see how God can move in the city of Penang, in our society, and in the world that we live in. You see, community is created by God. This community that you have, your family, the human race that is gathered in together, it is created by God. It is actually a solution from God for a lot of our human struggles. For example, without community, we cannot be mature. Without community, when we go through tough times, we face depression, we need community because community is that solution that God has given to us. Without a community, we find it harder to know God. Yes, without community, we will not, we find it harder to learn from His Word. So community is very important. This morning, let us open our Bible and turn to a book, the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And we are going to read this long passage, but let's take time to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are caught uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus, blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace. He has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments constrained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you, who were afar off, and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The Bible says, because of what Jesus has done, He has brought human, Gentiles, and the Israelites together as one, and He has brought us both to God through His blood. That means the Christian community that we talk about, we dream about, we imagine, 
is simply humanly impossible. Because without Christ, we cannot have that peace. Without Christ, we cannot be joined together. Without Christ, we cannot all be part of God's family. But now we are not strangers, we are not foreigners, you are not aliens anymore. We are all one with each other and we are all one with God. Are you following me? So the Christian community is humanly impossible, but it is only possible in Christ and through Christ. God brought us together. He is the mediator, the one in the middle between God and us. And He is also the mediator among us. He brings us together. Without Christ, we cannot be that holy community. But some of us may wonder, but I still face conflicts in Christian community. In fact, I have heard this statement before, and I've been hurt in church more than I'm hurt outside. Heard that before? Like I've been hurt by fellow brothers and sisters, friends in church. Conflicts in Christian community are around. I mean, they are present, and we cannot deny it. But a lot of times, the issue is not its presence, but the issue is we cannot resolve it, right? And that the reason is because of the lack of understanding of this mystery, that this community exists in Christ and through Christ. If you take Christ out of the picture, you take Christ out of the equation, all conflicts cannot be resolved. If you take Christ out of the picture, because He is our peace, He has broken down His body. He has broken down the wall of separation between human and God and between human beings. If you take Christ out, there is no way we can really come into a true union and unity with one another. As we are one with Him, we are in Him, right? If we are one with Him, we are in Him, and we are one with one another. If Christ, if we are not in Christ, this community is vague. This community is just imaginary. But if we are in Christ together, we are one with one another. That solves all the conflict. But that requires an inner understanding and an inner transformation. And today, I just want to bring all of us through this process to understand how God, being our peace, will really bring us to a place of community and to a place of communion. Everybody say communion. And this morning, we have partake the Holy Communion. All right? Let's understand this. Many people cannot resolve conflict. It is not because of the difference in personality. It's not. It is not because of the breakdown of communication. It is simply because that community is not in Christ and through Christ. In fact, the more genuine and deeper our community becomes, the more will everything between us recede. And the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and His work become the only one and only thing that is vital between us. 
That means the more we are in Christ and through Christ in our community, all the differences, all our personality, our agenda will recede. And Christ, who He is, and what He does in our lives will be the only vital part in our community. Because for too often, we focus so much on who we are and what we want. But that is not Christian community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says this, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. Before this, I have been thinking, how can I realize Christian community in our church? It is not an idea which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. Come on, church. This community is created by God. He is working in our midst. And all we need to do is to participate. So we are not the initiator, we are not the creator of this community. We are not the ones who define it. But yet, we have to understand that is how Christ has formed His body and our job is to understand and to participate. Are you following me? Tonight, this morning, maybe your, your mind will need to work a bit, but it's all good. Take out your notebook, your Bible. To truly be a community that God has created us to be, to truly be that community, we need to be in communion with Him so that we can experience the new humanity in us. Remember the, the verse that we read just now? Christ has formed a new humanity. We need to be in communion with Him so that we can be transformed into the new humanity in us. That is without a war of separation which human race has suffered since history. You see, humans, when we come, we always find differences. We always find things that will separate us. We always divide. And, you know, we always want to spot the differences. But this new humanity that God has created for us, He has broken down the wall of separation. He has given us a new heart so that when we see each other, it is no longer about what we do or who we are. But it is based on what He has done for us. The identity that we have right now is built upon His work, who He is. So, I, I actually entitled this sermon Community to Communion. That means we must move from community to communion. But really, if you understand deeper, it is not just that. It is a community of communion. This community comes because of the communion we have in Christ. Let me tell you, if you understand the power of this communion with Christ, there is no more significant conflict in your life with one another anymore because you no longer see each other with your own lens. You no longer see each other with your own engine. It's, you, you, you have a change of system where you begin to see each other through what Christ has done in our lives. Today we want to learn about 
communion. As I look into the dictionary, what is communion? First, it is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially on the mental or spiritual level. The sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially on the mental or spiritual level. Communion is often also seen as the service of Christian worship at which bread and wine are consecrated and shared, which we took neither. We didn't have wine, right? I don't know what was that. Um, Rabina, all right? And we don't, didn't have bread as well. But I hope after this month when we study about communion, um, someone will begin to break, uh, bake some bread. How about that? All right. Maybe someone who has a lot of wine at home can contribute a bit. God is speaking to some of you. <laughs> All right. So that is communion. Communion is not something that we do. It is something that happens. It is a sharing and exchanging of intimate thoughts. That's why we, when we say communion, you don't just take communion you partake communion. It is like take part, but it is not just taking part. You understand that you are being part of who Christ is and Christ is part of who you are. That means Christ is in charge as well in our life, partake. So it is to make common, to share, to make general, free, open and public I think a lot of times we always say, God, I want to know your heart. But communion is not just that. It is also telling God, God, come and search my heart. It's not just, God, I want to be more like you. That is great. But it is also telling God, God, I want, to you to al- I want to allow you in my life to mold me, to change me. I want to be exposed. I want to make public of who I am. I want to reveal my heart to you. Because knowing God is not a one-way traffic. It's say, God, I know you, but please don't come and know me. I shut myself. God, I have a lot of secrets, right? Don't come and work in my life. Just work in all my enemies' life so that they can flow with me. You see, that is not partaking the Holy Communion. We all are created for intimacy. All of us. We cannot live alone. Your dogs can. Right? Your dogs can stay at home alone. Your dog doesn't always need a a companion. And sometimes you have two dogs at home. It's dangerous if one is male and another female, right? It is dangerous. You, You only want to keep one, I think. But for human... We always need somebody. We are created for intimacy. That is why when God comes into our life, He doesn't give us a religion for us to use. He came to be one with us and we are to be one with Him in the Spirit. That is why we partake the Holy Communion to understand this. It represents the physical and spiritual exchange we have with Christ. That means when we take the bread, it represents His flesh. The wine represents His blood. 
that means we receive who He is and we identify ourselves with Him. But it also means we come together as His body is broken. We are His body. Come on. We are supposed to be broken for one another. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 7. Let us have a deeper understanding over here. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 7. Oh, do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. There is an exchange hope over here. God taking our sinful nature away. God is taking charge of our old man and is giving us a new life. It is an exchange. Amen? And it's beautiful that we are no longer bound to sin, but we are freed from sin. We should walk in newness of life. Just as our sinful nature is dead together with Christ, we shall also be raised together with the resurrected life of Christ. Exciting! We don't have to do it by our own strength. A lot of Christians struggle a lot of us, we struggle because we try to live that Christian life with our old life. It is not hard. It is impossible. There is no way. You need the new life from Christ. Now, if you understand this, this is not just a formula. This is the key to our knowledge of Christ. Let me say that again. This is not a formula for us to get saved. This is the knowledge of who Christ is. I want to talk about this because what we know about God and how we know Him, how we perceive Him, determines how we live this life here on earth for Him. If you see God as your fortune teller, you always come to God seeking for answers. If you see God as a blessing giver, you, you need blessing, you come to Him. Right? But now we have a deeper understanding of who God is. He's not just our healer. He is the one that gave us that exchange that our hopeless old life that had no future now is exchanged with Him. He is giving us His eternal life that we can be new in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I mean, we don't say praise the Lord just to sound good, but it's really on the inside of us. We are excited. Now I have a hope in Christ Jesus. I know that I have a new life. So many people know God as the God of love. God is the God of power. But fewer people know Jesus is also humble. You see, you have the new life of Christ. If Christ is humble, it means that humble life in us should be humble as well. We do not want to know sometimes how Christ suffers for us. 
Because if Christ is also a suffering God, He is in us. That means we also take on that nature to be willing to suffer for Him. And He revealed Himself to us. You see, Christ is open. His life was open. When He was on the cross, He was stripped naked. Right? And if you understand that aspect of Christ, we need to keep our life open to Him as well. Are you following me? As He is, so are we. If we really understand God as who He really is, it changes the way we live for Him. We no longer reason and say, you know, I cannot do this. God doesn't understand me. You know, from the Bible, when God says this and that, I cannot do it. I, I don't have the strength to do it. You, we will change that and we will begin to say, yes, I cannot do it, but Christ can do it through me and in me. There is a change. Suddenly, your Christianity, your faith, you are not in the center. But Christ is the center. We've got to dethrone ourselves, we've got to enthrone Him so that He can show forth His power and it's a new life in us. And you, you, you cannot upgrade your computer system just by buying a new hard disk and store your latest Mac OS or Windows, put some glue and stack it behind. And you know, certain times you just put a cable and transfer some files over when you need. That is not how Christ wants to transform us. He wants us to remove our old hard disk and OOS and put in the new ones so that the new thing can run in our lives. Hallelujah. That is why we really got to rediscover God. We got to rediscover Him. That is why we need to be in communion to take part and to allow Him to take part in our lives. And we are part of Him. He is part of us. And the Bible says, now, we no longer walk according to the flesh and live according to the flesh. We are supposed to live and walk in this newness, which is according to the Spirit. Meaning, Christians, let's don't get satisfied by God walking on the surface of our life. Oh, God bless my job. God bless my look. God bless my health. That is great. That is God working on the surface. But I believe God is into an inside job. God wants to do something inside, deeper. God wants to change the, 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 the thing that drives us. Not surface kind of faith by flesh, but deeper according to the Spirit. We are in a peculiar time in history. We are exposed to the amount of freedom that we have never experienced before in human history. Now we have options in everything that we do. Agree? Right? You can choose to pay your parking Last time we slot coins, right? That's the only way you, you park. Right now, you can buy a parking ticket or you can install an app and pay. Or you can choose not to do anything 
and wait for someone and you pay again. I mean, that's one of the options as well. Right? That is an unexplainable amount of depression and emotional crisis. People having panic attacks, suicidal mental disorder because there seems to be so much options like how you want to study, how you want to eat, what you want to eat, who you want to eat with. Man, we are losing a lot of human routines. Right? You, you, you don't come to church service, it's alright, you can watch online later. You can go on Spotify, you can go on YouTube. Or you can choose a church in Penang, you can choose a church in KL, or you can choose a church in US. It's up to you. There is just an unexplainable amount of freedom at the same time depression. And it is a global epidemic. Millions of people cannot find reason to live another day. And the thing is this, because we have so many options, we really do not know what to choose and how to choose. Young people, my wife, are so much into mental health right now. She's doing that project in USM. She's engaging people in church. And we realize that depression is not something that happens outside church. Just inside church, right, we have people who, have, who doesn't have major problems in life. No financial crisis, no health issues. They didn't lose anyone that they love. That's normal life. But they are depressed. It seems to me that part of the reason it's because of our exposure to options. Options are supposed to be a blessing. It has somehow become a curse. And in the options that we have, we always exclude this thing called suffering. Right? How many of you would choose to walk to church this morning? I do, I do, I do not want car. I, I, I choose to walk because walking is good for me. Right? None of us. Um, we always choose what is convenient and what is comfortable. But if you look at the life of Christ that we talked about just now, it seems to me that Christ included suffering as part of his life. And God allows and sometimes even engineers some suffering in our life and allow us to go through. In fact, think about this. Suffering sometimes makes us more human. Can you imagine today, Timothy, if one day angel and angel appear before you and say, Timothy, let me give you a promise from the Lord. Whatever you eat, no matter how much you eat, you will not gain weight. You will never ever fall sick in your life. You will always look like Captain America. Even people hit you, you will not feel the pain. Right? Do you think he's still human? Do you think he can go to the hospital? I, I feel for you. You know, I, I feel you, bro. I will pray for you. My heart aches for you. No. There is no suffering, no pain. It doesn't make us human. But God, in his multiple wisdom, allows this. And we wonder why, why God, God, why, why you will allow suffering or tribulations in my life? 
And because of that, it, it, it doesn't mean, you see, what we think about God and who He really is, they don't meet. We have a religion of our imagination and we avoid tribulation in life by all means. And it creates a gap between the faith that we create and we want to have and the faith that God wants to give us. If you read the book of Hebrews, you will realize that the heroes of faith are heroes who went through tribulation. It is called like the faith in the fog. That means you need faith only when there is problem, am I right? If, Timothy, you are really that Captain America, do you still need faith? You don't need. Lorry hits you, the lorry, you know, need to go into the factory. You, you, you have no issue. You don't need faith anymore. Faith is needed when we have suffering, when we have tribulation, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 18. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You see, we fear. We fear suffering. We fear a lot of things. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Well, praise the Lord. We love this. If children then heirs, heirs of God and joins heirs with Christ. Normally we stop there. Lah. Next, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18, beautiful. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That means the suffering comes with a purpose. This suffering that you and I go through cannot be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. What glory is that? Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces, everybody say, come on, perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What does tribulation and suffering produce? Perseverance, right? Perseverance produces what? Character. Character produces hope. And this hope does not disappoint because of the love of Jesus Christ. But you see, a lot of times we look at the love of Jesus Christ and want the hope of Jesus Christ. We don't care. We eject what happens before. So when we say, God, give me your hope and your love, make me more and more like you, then the next thing you know, God allows you to go through some suffering, just little, maybe. Just when you walk on the road, the rain pours, you know. God, you don't love me. And say, God, God is thinking, thinking I'm, I'm confused, you know. You, you want to be more and more like me. You want to have character. But character comes from perseverance. Perseverance comes from tribulation. And now it's just some rain. And we want to reject all of this because of options, because of a comfortable life that we all dream about. Every parent that is wise will not pamper their kids. Yes, I have a phone, but you cannot have yet. I have money to spend, but your pocket money is limited, right? 
you may have a driver, but a parent that is wise probably should take their kids, teach their kids how to take some public transport, train their feet to walk on the road, on the street for a while. Because tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Only when we have Christ's character, we have hope. And that hope is valid. It does not disappoint because of the love of Jesus Christ. We always look at the outcome we want, but neglect the process involved we need to go through to not just have the outcome, but to become. Christ is not about, it's not in the business of giving us the outcome we want, but He wants us to become who He enables us to be. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has, caused, has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. You play Counter-Strike? Sorry, that is my time. Right now you play COD, PUBG. I don't know about all this. I, my time, it was Counter-Strike. And before every match, you need to arm yourself. Am I right? What do you arm yourself? Those terrorists, you arm yourself with AK-47. Right? I don't know. I, I, I take another one. Counter-terrorist, the black one. I, I just know, know it's 4-3 that time, you know. Before you go to battle, you need to arm yourself. Christians, what is your arm? The arm is the, the mindset. I'm willing to suffer a bit. A lot of people are willing to serve God, but they are not willing to suffer a bit. I want to fetch people, but don't give me God, don't give me people that give me trouble. I want to serve in church, but God, make sure there is aircon. Make sure breakfast is provided. Right? God, I want to serve you on the preach the gospel, but make sure those people that hear the gospel, they will thank me, they will hug me, they will buy me dinner. God, I want to love people, but God, give me the nicest people on earth for me to love. No. God, in His wisdom, He said the, the arm, the weapon that you have is the mindset. If Christ has suffered for me in the flesh, He is living in me. He will enable me to suffer and I won't be bitter. That gives you the strength, the Bible says. The strength to live the rest of your life for the will of God. The problem is never the pro problem of knowing the will of God. It's the strength to live through it. His body suffered for us on the cross. And we say, God, you are in me, right? <laughs> we sing song, God, you are in me. Think about the you. It's the one who suffered for us on the cross and we belong to him. When Christ was on the cross, his hands were pierced. His ribs were broken. His legs, his legs were nailed. And we are his body. We should suffer with him. This probably makes our church the most unpopular church in Penang. <laughs> but I think if you can understand the heart of God, 
God is not into giving us suffering and say, ah, they suffer already. God is seeing through and say, I'm building character. I'm building hope. I'm giving them my love. They will be strong. That is why Paul, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 11, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that is brought faith, that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I used to be the Pharisees, I used to be the PhD, the scholars, I was the judge, I was powerful and I count all these things as lost for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And what knowledge is that? It is to know Him, the power of His resurrection. Hallelujah! Then the next, the fellowship of His suffering. It comes in a package. You want to know the power? You got to know the suffering as well. And in fact, this is the truth. You will not know God's love until you know His suffering. You will not know the love of a mother until you go into the labor room. I was shocked when my wife was giving birth to Maya. The first one, it was in the theater, right? I couldn't go in. Then the next one was natural birth. I went in. I was shocked. I didn't know she can shout until the people out there, you know, a sister waiting outside. Wow, my uh, uh, Carrie shouted so loud, like the whole street couldn't hear. The pain, the agony, my goodness. With, without that ep- epidural, right? You will not know the love of a mother until you see her pain. Friends, you will not know the love of God until you know how He suffered for our sin and for the eternal life that He wants to give to us. So the key is not like, not like you're mentally ill, you, you just love to see suffering. It's not. It's simply not denying the fact that His love is so real. It includes suffering. And for Paul, his goal is clear. It is to know Him, not just in His strength for us, but also His suffering. For Paul, his goal was intimacy. He said, God, I'm not into the power. I'm not into the ministry. I'm not into how you can use me. I'm into who you are. I'm into your heart, your suffering, the fellowship of his suffering. How can you fellowship until you really experience together? I mean, I cannot fellowship with Timothy if Timothy is on a cruise and I'm at home. It's not fellowship. It is fellowship when I go on a cruise with him. It is the same. God went through all that for us. Will we 
allow Him to do an inside job within us. They say, God, for us, for me to know you, I cannot be a Christian that avoids suffering all my life. To love my neighbor or oh, too hard, I don't want. To love people that are different from us, I don't want. I, I skip. Serve in ministry, too tough, I skip. All right? Going to Bible study, too hard, I skip. Prayer meeting, too late, I skip. Everything, skip, 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 skip. Who is on the throne? I am on the throne. God, meet my agenda. You are part of my plan. Then that is not Christianity. That is a cult. That we are still on the throne. You see, we always say this, before you believe, you belong first. Amen? That means you must first understand that even when people here, you do not know Christ, you belong to Him already. It's just that you do not know. After you know, you feel belong, you feel welcome in the church, right? I hope somebody welcomed you today. If they didn't welcome you, you are new here, somebody forget to talk to you, let me apologize to you on behalf of them. If somebody look at you like you are just an object, I'm sorry, you should feel belong here. We are still a work in progress, okay? We are, we are not just training the ushers, we should be training everyone to be friendly, to make people feel belong, yes? Belong first. After you belong, you believe, am I right? You, you, you believe in Jesus and that faith begins to do a new work on the inside of you. <clears throat> Believing is not something external, it's not something on the surface. Your faith will change you. But believing is not the end. After belief, we should become. As you know Christ is in us, he caused us to become. It is an inner transformation only God can bring. No church program, no preaching can change your life. I cannot change your life. I wish I have that remote control, you know, that I can change myself first. But it is not. It is allowing God to come into our life and cause us to become like Him. And that transformation only happens through communion. In church, sometimes we talk about, I meet people, I try to solve conflicts, and some people, I, on average, I think I meet at least 10 people every week. Some people tell me their problem, some people tell me other people's problem, some people tell me church problem, right? They feel that the church should change while they are not really changing. Now, this is not my point. My point is this, if we don't have intimacy with Christ, if we do not know Him, then we don't have that communion. Everything else is just something outside of us. Intimacy brings inner transformation. And I want to share with you from the book of Romans. And with that, I want to close. If your Bible, turn me to the book of Romans. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? Right, we always, you don't have that verse, right? Chapter 8, verse 31. Do you have that verse? Okay. It's a good chance to open your Bible. Eight, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for, all, for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who can break any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Let's skip to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. You see, all these are just description of suffering, right? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. I don't know if you have this feeling, and sometimes you're in a situation you feel that there's nothing you can do about your suffering. You, you, you feel that God, you're stuck in a place. You are like a lamb, a sheep, sent to be slaughtered. But that is verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it talks about the love of Christ and it talks about us. That we often think suffering will separate us. Hardship will separate us. Tribulation will divide us from the love of Christ. Isn't that what human normally thinks? Like, oh man, I'm going through tough time. I'm sick. I think God is far away from me. Am I right? But the problem is, remember just now, we, we understand that Christ is the mediator. He's always that bridge. He's always standing in the gap. So, when you have suffering and you, who is in the gap between suffering and you? It is Christ. It is who He is. He is the suffering Lord. He's telling you, no life, no death, because I've been to them. Christ has died for us, right? He has experienced death. He was persecuted before, yes. He has seen angels, he has seen demons. He has gone to the height. He has gone to the death. He has been there. And he has gone through the toughest famine, nakedness, danger, sword. He has been there. But the thing is this, we, we cannot create a Christianity and faith and say, God, take all this away so that I can really enjoy your love. No, God is saying to us, in the midst of all these things, Christ is there. He is in the center. He is standing in the gap so that you will not be separated from the love of Christ. God is holding us in the midst of tribulations and suffering. But the key is, you have to understand 
He stands right in the middle of your pain. He's telling you, my son, my daughter, I'm with you. And if you go through that suffering, like how I've gone through, I will give you my life. And your life is in me and I'm you. It's communion. I'm not just the God in your success. I'm also the God in your failures. I'm not just the God in your health. I'm also the God in your sickness. I'm the God forever. I'm the God in your life. I will hold you. But that requires to change our mind and say, God, my faith is not an imaginary one according to what I like or I imagine. I'm willing to open up for you to do an inside job, God. I'm opening myself, God, to you once again. Some of us here, maybe you have known God for decades. Maybe like me, you've known God all your life. It's time for us to rediscover Christ and to see and hear His heart for us. But to know Christ in that new manner, we have to come down from the throne. That means God is no longer on my terms. God is not according to what I understand. But God is according to your heart. It's according to your word, your truth, your love. You are in the centre. And I will never be separated from Christ's love. No suffering, no tribulation, because you are right in the centre.